Okay, today is October the 20th, 2011. And I can't think of any announcements, so we'll just prepare ourselves in our usual fashion, have a few moments of silent prayer, rebound if necessary. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to be here to do what's most important in life, and that is to take in your word. We pray that you will help us understand the spiritual phenomenon that we will be looking at this evening, that you will help us to file it away into our long-term memory, for we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to be on Lesson 5 of Getting the Gospel Right. Last time uh, we finished the universalism in, in many of its aspects, and we're now looking at faith alone, which is going to be a quite extensive. And we looked at first that there are certain religions such as Buddhists, Muslims, Hindus, and there are atheists who none of them even professed faith in Jesus Christ. And then there are Jews who do not believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. They don't believe he's the Son of God. They fall in that same category, except they do have the Old Testament as uh, contrary to the others. So, for the most part, we don't run into those type of people that often. At least I don't. Uh, the issue with them is Jesus Christ. They need to know information about him in order to accept the gospel. Most of the other people that we come in contact with are those who profess faith in Jesus Christ. So we have to handle them differently when we're talking about uh, evangelism. Just be, and this is the, the main thing that we see in starting this particular area is just because someone says that they believe in Jesus Christ does not necessarily mean at all that it's the Jesus Christ of the Bible and that they have put their faith alone in Jesus Christ. I think we'll start tonight where, uh, just as a starting point, these are the different, in this paragraph you see here, are the different organizations, churches, uh, different societies here that would attest to faith in Jesus Christ. I counted them. There's 22 of them. And that's a short list. And then there's also hundreds of branches and divisions within these. These are the people that we come in contact with most of the time in America, at least in the part of the country that we live in. This seems to be the case. So we can see from this we have some Church of Christ. We have Jehovah Witnesses. We have Mormons, Catholics, all these different types. Uh, which professed faith in Christ. And these are the ones that we have to um, really deal with in a different way than we do those who don't even profess Christ, uh, faith in Christ. To set this up, I, I had one paragraph that was in the Berean call. It was under the questions area. And the reason I thought it was good is because it presents the case unvarnished 
of what most of the people, even in these organizations, all these um, churches that you're familiar with, the great majority of those people who are professing Christians, even are known as evangelicals, would sign on to what this guy is saying. So I will read it briefly. You and your people by no means are, uh, are by no means Bereans. You have taken away every uh, very important truths of the Bible and have replaced them with falsities. Let me point out the faith that without works is dead. Remember, that's where they go to first. Now we're going to have a whole area on James chapter 2 because that's where the unbelievers default when you talk about faith alone and Christ alone. We're just not going to handle it right now. He says the dead faith will get you nothing from the Lord. God is the God of the living and not the dead. Now what I have in color here are the the statements that I decided to take out of this, which essentially encapsulate what this guy is trying to get across, and I'm, I'm going to reference those and respond to them. He says, Eternal life is a gift, but requirements must be met, such as keep the commandments and live, saith the Lord. This is a requirement. Not by faith alone is one saved, but by keeping God's commandments. See, that's the unvarnished part right there. Okay, run out and set it. If any one of us wants eternal life, we must work to fulfill our part of the agreement. We are saved by grace through faith. This grace is not given to anyone who does not keep our Lord's commandments. Now, of course, what he's saying is you don't get grace if you don't deserve it, which is completely contrary to the definition of grace. Grace means that we get what we don't deserve. Anyway, we'll get to that. Grace is given to the obedient, not the rebellious. We must work to show ourselves to be approved, just as the Scripture says. The Bereans knew the Scriptures. You teach faith is all one needs. Nowhere in the Bible is this taught. I hope that this helped you to see the light. Well, that we have someone in utter darkness trying to give light is essentially what we have. So the question is, is salvation by faith, is it by works, or is it by faith plus works, which most professing Christians, even those who are labeled as evangelicals, would say that it's faith plus works. And we're going to get down to the nitty-gritty, and we're going to decide, does a person who subscribes to faith plus work, is that person really saved, or is he not? We'll get to that later also. Let's look at this first point that he makes. Eternal life is a gift, but requirements must be made, made, such as keep the commandments. The definition of a gift is it's a noun, something voluntarily transferred by one person or another without compensation. That means without any strings attached. That was the Merriam-Webster's Dictionary. The concise Oxford English Dictionary says it's a thing given Willingly to someone without payment. So, by definition, there are no strings attached. Now, let's look at some scriptures that have to do with this. Romans 4.4 4 says, Now, when a man works, his wages are not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. And we know that eternal life comes, is, comes from the hand of God only one way, and that is an unmerited gift that has no strings attached. Romans chapter 4, 
Uh, we won't read verse 4 again. We just did. We'll just pick up with verse 5, but, which should sound very familiar to y'all. But to the one who does not work but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing on the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. That's not complicated, is it? Now let's look at this keeping the commandment business. Uh, the idea that one must keep commandments of the law in order to receive a, the gift of eternal life is ludicrous, unbiblical, and a dastardly lie. Now I'm trying to make that forceful for you to understand. This isn't just a little uh, quirk, little side issue here. This is a broadside against the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now here's Galatians 2.16. This also should look familiar to you. Three times in this one verse he says it's not from works. Look at this. Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, that would mean keeping the commandments, but through faith in Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, since by the works of the law no flesh shall be justified. Clear? Romans chapter 9, verse 32. What shall we say then? The Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness attained righteousness, even the righteousness which is of, by faith. What is this talking about? It was the Jews that were trying to keep the Mosaic law, doing the works, obeying the law in order to be saved. The Gentiles didn't have the Mosaic law. They could care less about the Mosaic law. They weren't striving to keep the law. The Gentiles did not pursue a righteousness by fulfilling the law, but this says that they attained it. They received that righteousness that isn't of the law, even the righteousness which is of faith. That's, the kind of, that's God's righteousness given to us based on faith. You don't get His righteousness any other way no one ever has apart from faith in the Messiah, Jesus Christ. But Israel, pursuing a law of righteousness, they were, uh, God gave them the law so that they would be able to operate as a nation. It also demonstrated that you're not able to keep this, you need a Savior. But they twisted that into a system to work their way into the kingdom of God. But Israel, pursuing a law of righteousness, did not arrive at that law. They didn't get to that law of righteousness that God demands is the righteousness that comes by faith. They rejected that part. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as though it were by works, and they stumbled over the stumbling stone. What or who was the stumbling stone? Jesus Christ. They just stumbled there. That's where arrogance always raises its ugly head is when these unbelievers don't want to humble themselves and say all the things that I do in order to be accepted by God and be a good person, compete with everybody else so I can feel good about myself, all that, Paul says, is crapola. Well, he said, yeah, I know. I'm... Actually, it's worse than that, but that's what he thought about it. And so uh, they didn't want to let that go. They thought that they could very well, thank you, be a, uh, accepted by God by their own righteousness. So they stumbled over Christ because it's through Christ and accepting His sacrifice on our, on our behalf is the point at which we get 
the righteousness of God. Romans chapter 3, verse 28. For, for, just as plain as it can be. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Philippians chapter 3, verse 9. Not having a righteousness of my own derived by the law, this is Paul speaking, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of what? Faith. Now, this was the chief of sinners. This was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Paul was the up and rising star. He was the heir apparent when it came to Judaism. And so when he says, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, he knew what he was talking about. And no one was going to be more righteous than Paul in executing the, the Judaism of his day, which was keeping the law in order to be saved. So here we have, if you, if you want to write them down, uh, jot them down. We have Romans chapter 4, verse 4 through 6, Galatians 2, 16, Romans 9, 30 through 32, Romans 3, 28, Galatians 5, 4, and Philippians 3, 9. And I could have added a dozen more easily, but that should pretty well demonstrate that this guy is speaking rubbish. It is not biblical what he's saying. It's impossible to be righteous enough to be justified before God by keeping the law. Impossible. The truth, that is the truth both before and after one becomes a believer. You know why I threw that in? You cannot become a royal family member of God by obeying the law. You can't do it by keeping the law. Furthermore, after you become a royal family member of God, after you believed in Jesus Christ and He imputed to you at that moment eternal life and God's own righteousness, even after that you cannot execute the Christian way of life by observing the law, by being moral or by trying to keep the Ten Commandments or anything else. We can't keep them anyway, but those that allege that's how you execute the Christian way of life or have it mixed up. It's impossible to do that. We are not saved, nor do we execute the spiritual life of the church age believer by keeping the law. The Mosaic law was for a particular purpose, and we are not under it. We are under a higher law. We're under a spiritual law. So let's see what Romans 8.3 says. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin. So what the law cannot do is save because it's weak. The only thing the law can do is says, this is what God commands, this is your standard that you're going to be held to if you choose to be under this law, and you can't keep it. No one can keep it. You know, a lot of people talk about the Ten Commandments. There's not anybody here or no one that's ever lived that was able to keep the Ten Commandments. Most people don't even know what they are. They get four or five and then they're done. But that's just a very small part of the Mosaic Law. There were 620 other laws in the Mosaic Law besides that. I'll get to that. I've got that quoted in a moment. Through Christ, everyone who believes is justified from everything you could not be justified from by the law of Moses. The one who believes in Christ is justified by his faith and does not come under condemnation, period. 
But the one who tries to be justified by the law of Moses is not freed from the curse or condemnation on those who try to be saved by their own works. These people who are trying, like this guy that wrote in and says it's not by faith alone, you have to obey the commandments. That guy, as well as every other guy that has that same attitude, is under a curse. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 26. Cursed is he who does not confirm the words of this law by doing them, and all the people say, Amen. What he's saying is, <laughs> if you're under the law, if you're living your life trying to be accepted by keeping the law, he says, you're under a, con a curse. And this was the people confirming what he says. Yes, we're under a curse. Amen. We are. And then they turned right around and tried to be accepted by God. However, they're under a curse. Galatians 3.10. For as many as are of the works of the law, that means those who try to be saved by keeping the commandments, are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to, for, to perform them. So every person who is trying to gain salvation, acceptance by God by their works, the Bible says they're under a curse. Because it's not just that they can keep the law better than someone else. Cursed is everyone, everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law. 630. And if you can't keep them, if you just mess up one time, what are you? Cursed. The reason why people try to be saved by keeping the commandments or under a curse is because it's impossible for anyone to abide by all things written in the book of the law. You can't keep the law. No one can keep the Ten Commandments, much less the other 620 commandments that make up the Mosaic Law. Well, someone might say, well, I keep most of the commandments and that's good enough. This goes along with the idea that there will be a judgment day in which our good deeds will be weighed against our bad deeds. If our good deeds outweigh our bad, we go to heaven or paradise. If our bad deeds outweigh our good deeds, then we go to hell. By the way, this is what the Muslims believe and what the Koran teaches. This is Shura 11, 114. For those things that are good remove those that are evil. It's the idea that if you do some kind of sin, you do some kind of dastardly thing, well, you can do a lot of things to make up for it that cancel those out. No accountability, no just action is exerted. And then Shura, uh, chapter 7, verse 8 and 9, says the balance that day will be true, the day that uh, everything is going to be weighed out. Those whose scale, that would be of good works, will be heavy, the scale is going like this, heavy with good, will prosper. Those whose scale will be light, going in this way, will find their souls in perdition. Now, that's in the Koran. This is by people who don't understand or accept the God of the Bible. They believe in a false god, the moon god, who they call Allah. And this is how things are going to be handled. There's going to be a judgment day, and this balance of scales is going to determine, and you can do enough good things to outweigh your, your bad things. And the thing about the, the Muslim religion is that 
they're not even sure if that's going to be good enough. The only way they can know for sure that they're going to make it to paradise is to have a, die in a jihad uh, to go out and murder a bunch of innocent people in the name of Allah. That will surely get you the virgins and all the other things. So, that is the mindset of most people. Even, unfortunately, a lot of Christians have that mindset. It is darkness. It is a lie. And it's totally against what the Bible says. If this were true, we would, there would be no need for Jesus to come to earth to save us from hell, would there? All we would need to do would be to make sure that our good deeds outweigh our sins. That's what it would amount to. But what does the Bible say about this? James chapter 2, verse 10. For whoever keeps the whole law and stumbles in one point, he has begun, become guilty of all. You might as well not even try if you're trying to keep the law because the first time you fail, the first time that you have a mental attitude sin, the first time that you have a sin of the tongue, the first time that you have an overt sin, you're held guilty as if you, you broke every law in the whole book. That's what that's saying. And the people who are trying to be accepted by God by their own works, are under a curse. Can you see why they're under a curse? Because they think, well, I keep the law better than Joe Blow down the street here. So what? You've infract you had one infraction, God holds you responsible as if you have, and none of your good deeds are going to remove anything that you have done. The only thing that's going to remove your sin is the cross of Jesus Christ. And anything other than that is a lie, and that Koran is of Satan, and it is a lie. The Mosaic Law was never designed to be a way of salvation. Never was it designed to be that. Its purpose was to demonstrate that no one is able to keep its righteous standards and thus pointed the way to the Savior. That was the purpose of the law. And I'll give it to you here in Scripture. Romans chapter 3, verse 19 and 20. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law. If you want to be under the law, you want to try to live under the law, then what the law says is speaking to you. And what did we already see? If you are a person who is trying to keep the law, you are under a what? A curse. It's impossible for you to do it. It wasn't designed for anyone to be saved through the law. So that every mouth may be closed and all the world may become accountable to God. You, God is going to shut your mouth if you think that you can be accepted by Him by keeping the law. And you are accountable to God. Because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in His sight. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. How do we know that something's wrong? Well, two ways. First of all, we have God has given us a conscience, but even more specifically, we have the, the law. It's, don't get the idea that there's anything wrong with the law. The law was righteous and it was good and it had its purpose, but it was never intended to be a system 
that we can keep score and try to be accountable to God by our good works. Not only had, did the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees, all these people signed on to that idea. Most of the population of the world today has signed on to it also. All the religions of the world are signed on to that same thing, and they all are under a curse. Purpose was to show the knowledge of sin. Then we have uh, Galatians chapter 3, verse 24 and 25. Therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we no longer are under a tutor, which would be the law. You know what a tutor is? Um, I think I had a math tutor somewhere along in my illustrious academic years in, I don't remember whether it was elementary school or junior high. I know my dad said he was afraid he was going to have to burn the school down to get me out of elementary school. But I did have a tutor at least one time. Uh, well, I know my, my dad was a tutor. Oh. I, I just shudder when I think about that because um, when we used to have spelling words, you know, I have a spelling test, and he knew what day the spelling test was on. He said, you got your words? Okay. And it would be one-on-one, -on -one and we would go through uh, the words, how you spell vacation, V-A-C-H-O-N, V-A-C-A-S-H-O-N, something like that. <laughs> We'd start there. And he got so exasperated by the time. There was more than one time that we were on a word he was trying to get me to spell, and he was trying to get a word that sounded like it, and I missed it also. And he said, well, how about this? We get so far down the line, we didn't even remember what the first word was. Both of us were totally exasperated. I couldn't think. Uh, I use that as my excuse for not being a good speller. <laughs> I'm a better speller than I used to be. Uh, but a tutor, that's what a tutor does. He guides you, he points you in the right way. And that's what the law, it pointed us to Jesus Christ. Why? Because it, very quickly a person could see you cannot keep it. That was the point. So uh, it led us to Christ. It pointed to Christ. We knew that we needed a Savior because the law condemns us big time. The Bible says you're under a curse. And if you infringe one time in any way, boom, you're toast. And so it shows a need for our Savior. Then we have the word Allah, which is the uh, contrastive conjunction, which means, but now that faith is here, the Mosaic law for the number here, this is what he said. He said, This is given to in our law. What is in man for his vocation? The word heritage. Then the free and the God. Now, if you know the English line clear that nothing is written in the If you are in the grace, are mutually one of the Romans chapter. It, but if it is to. It can refer to salvation. But it is by strong grace. You can't force and grace. It's either because they lose. Now, here's what we talk about here because this is this part. We can be saved by all those that never cross. Now, you turn into soul. Because every time someone trots out the eye of the market, this isn't that lot. We and God are all go to the cross. Would there be as as really do the job as a lot? And when he was in Cadillac, 
thing. We have to finish the job. Which is and have him go ahead on earth to become a lower creature than even the angels. And it's what Mulatan is right the person. What God was in Christ, but these three people that was own right person. He called us with a holy call. He said, through faith, and that was how he was there in that. And that's been clear. I should accepted by any economy. It's a bad thing. I've got to do is I'm trying to ask you, man. It's very simple. I'm just like, man. Unto me, die. The other verse that has on for you, it's a gift of his I knew what he's talking about. It was nearly as if he was speaking in code. And I even went into the Greek and I was looking at the antecedents uh, uh, with something or other. Well, what, what is the with? What is he talking about? And both two things that it could be were both accused of singular feminine, which was the... Uh, pronoun was accused of singular feminine. It had to be one or the other, and they were both the same, so I thought, okay, that's not working. So I had to keep keep going, and it finally panned out, but we'll get that next time. By the way, Jesus Christ said that he was the living bread, and he also said he is the living water. What do we have to have? We have to have food and water to be able to live physically. We need the living bread and the living water to live eternally. We'll get into that next time. Let's close. Father, thank you for this time that we can focus on your mighty grace. We are so completely and totally thankful for your plan that you are mindful of us, even to the extent of giving us the unspeakable gift of Jesus Christ our Lord taking on our sins. We pray that this will be a burden on all of us to get the news out to a dying world that we won't be sidetracked, we won't be afraid, that we won't be, whether we're rejected or not, we need to get the word out. We pray that you will help us to be prepared to do that. For we pray it in Christ's name. Amen.